Father, I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you that you are in charge. I thank you that you know what you're doing. Yet, God, we admit we see brokenness all over the world. And our heart hurts. But God, I'm convinced that so does yours. God, you don't sit in heaven emotionless, unmoved. Jesus, you are interceding for us. You mediate for us. That Jesus, I'm convinced that you still, you still hurt and are still broken over the things that happen in our world. And so God, I pray that you would help us, your church, to simply continue to be your church. Father, we pray for the things that are happening in Israel and the Middle East, and we do pray peace. God, I know tons of opinions come when things like this happen. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would bring our opinions to you in submission to your word, not trying to declare our own will and our own desires or our frustrations or our hopelessness, but God, coming back to your word and trusting you that you will accomplish greater things than we can ever imagine. So God, I pray, I pray that this morning, especially as we look at this topic, God, I pray that you would speak, you would convict us, you would encourage. Holy Spirit, you would convict and draw people to Jesus that don't know you. God, I pray you take a feeble attempt on my part to make much of Jesus and do a great work that we'd be left speechless and in awe of your greatness and your goodness. And so God, in this time, I pray that you'd receive all the glory, that we'd only notice you, seek you, engage with you, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. <clears throat> so we're gonna look at Matthew chapter five, verse seven, but let's read uh, verses two through six, where we've come so far as we've been going uh, one beatitude each week. Uh, Matthew chapter five, starting in verse two says this, and he, that's Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And then this morning we look, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, those who are full of mercy. So if you ask, what is, what, how would we define mercy? Mercy is not getting something that I deserve. You gotta remember that. Like what, if I was to sit there and go, oh, I'm a good person, look at the things that I do, I deserve. And sometimes don't we kind of walk around a little bit? Sometimes if we haven't really grasped the mercy and grace of God, and even if we have, we kind of fall into it when we start to pray to God, God, you should do this. You told me that you would do this. And so step it up. Instead of just looking at God going, God, in your mercy, I don't deserve that you would do anything on my behalf, but in your mercy, would you please? Like example, last time you prayed, can you remember the last time you actually used the word please? Can you remember the last time you just said, God, would you please? I mean, think about who we're going to, but we're going before the king of the universe. He's like, yeah, but he's my dad. Yeah, but even with my dad, I would still say, please. When I start to remember, when, I get, when I'm reminded, this is who God is and I'm speaking to him. Oh God, would you be merciful? I don't deserve anything. 
And then when we, when we pray that way and we go to God with that attitude, anything that he does, we're actually grateful for. We thank him rather than just going about time. But here he has this thing. He makes this statement. He makes this commandment to us, or not commandment. He makes this statement to us. Blessed are the merciful. And he's talking about us as people. Blessed are the merciful. Why? Because they will receive mercy. Now, guys, when we look at that word merciful, in the, the Greek of the New Testament, as we possess it, goes back to an original Hebrew and Aramaic word. So the Hebrew word for mercy is hesed. And it's untranslatable. It's like into the English, there's not one specific word that it connects completely to that word chesed. And so it, it doesn't just mean this. It doesn't just mean I feel bad for them. I sympathize them because when we think sympathize, we go, I feel bad for them. Guys, it's so much deeper and there's so much more to it. William Barclay says this about the word chesed, mercy means the ability to get right inside other people until we can see things with their eyes, think things with their minds and feel things with their feelings. So it's not just from a distance, oh, I feel bad for you. No, no, let me hear your story. And God, would you give me your eyes to see, your ears to hear? Would you help me to feel what they're going through that I could experience and show mercy toward them? Guys, we can be moved by a story we read. We can be moved by a video we see or a movie that we watch. But once it's over, once we're done reading, does it move us into anything? Goes on, here's another part of the definition, merciful, kind, good. This sense of loyalty or joint obligation or faithfulness or goodness, graciousness, godly action. Do you see how you can't just take mercy and go, what's the one English word for it? Because there's so much meaning behind it. There's a couple of Proverbs that stood out when I was studying. Proverbs 11, verse 17. A man, a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. That word kind there is the same word for mercy. Proverbs chapter 20, verse six. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man or a merciful man who can find, as we continue through the definitions of it, sympathy or compassion. But that word sympathy is derived from two different Greek words. The first is sin, which means together, S-Y-N, not S-I-N. People are like, yeah, I can finally sin. No, not that way. And then paskain, which means to experience or to suffer. And so sympathy means experiencing things together with other people. Here's the necessity for that to happen. And this is where the introverts are gonna go, no. And guys, I get it, because I am that dude. I was just thinking about it yesterday going, how do I explain this? I love being alone. It's not that I hate people, I just love being alone. I like just being by myself and doing my thing. And in order for me to actually sympathize, live life with people, experience what they're experiencing, jumping into the hurt and pain of what people are going through, I have to be with people. It is not enough to just sit back. Oh, this is what you're going through. Okay, that's good. And, and guys, I believe in prayer, but we're also called to be merciful in it. We're supposed to listen to their stories. And here's the thing. Has anyone ever shared their heart with you and you completely disagreed with them? They've shared, maybe they've shared their heart, this concern or a social issue that's going on in the world. You said, I completely disagree with you. And then have you shunned or closed the door because how dare, I'm like, I can't get into that. I'm not gonna let their thoughts impact me. And guys, I believe that there's a need to guard our hearts and our minds. But when we look at Jesus, our example is always Christ. He left the glories of being in heaven. 
He lived the glories that came with being God and yet came as a person, fully God, fully man, and came and jumped into the junk of life. And he listened to people and he heard them out and he healed and he touched them and he's with them. And, and have we just kind of set up this Christian bubble that we live in going, I can't get too close because what if? Isn't it amazing how all of a sudden we think that our disagreements are actually the things that Jesus says, that's valid, don't love them. Guys, to be merciful means I start with the person and not the ideas of the person, but start with the person. So introverts, I'm with you, I feel you. The extroverts are like, finally, I just, I'm always with people and keep going with people. But I also wanna challenge you, get alone with the Lord. Learn, that, learn for that to be the most exciting relationship that you have. Did you get more life from your time with him than anybody else? Keep diving in and getting personal with him. Get tight with Jesus. Spend time with him in his word and in prayer, in worship, in service, all those things. But man, we gotta get out with people. We gotta, we gotta hear their stories. We gotta try to understand what they're going through. And then admit, I, don't, I can't completely relate. Say it, say it out loud. Be upfront, I don't get it. But I'm so thankful that you told me that story and pray with them and care for them. And what if they go against the teachings of the Bible? So did you at some point. And so did I at some point. But we're still called to make a difference in the world. And we may try and people may get upset about it. And that's okay. Guys, we follow a Jesus who did exactly the things he called us to do and was crucified for it. All to the glories of God. We first and foremost jump into the mess with people simply because they're people created in the image of God. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to Luke chapter 10. We're gonna spend most of our morning there in Luke chapter 10, starting verse 25. And for those of you brought up in the church, this is a parable that you've heard many times. And even if you haven't, you've at least heard this, this, this phrase or this explanation or description of this man in the parable, the good, let me see if you get it, the good Samaritan. There's even laws about this, isn't there? Like the Good Samaritan. So we're gonna jump into this and see what it is that Jesus says about mercy in this passage. Start in verse 25. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Just stop there for just a second. Verse 25, for some of you, can I ask you a question? Why does that you go to Jesus? Actually, ask us all. Why do we go to Jesus? Are we going to Jesus because we wanna hear what he thinks so we can do what it, do what it is that he wants us to do? Or are we going to Jesus to test him? Okay, yeah, Jesus, I know that you said this. Hey, Jesus, I know your word says this, but, and then we try to trap him. Guys, I gotta be honest. Whenever I find myself just trying to justify something and then God seems to bring open his word and go, oh man, that goes against completely what I was thinking. Like I wanted to do the exact opposite, even maybe trying to make it a little religious thing. And God goes, this is what my word says. Friends, we need to stop going to Jesus to test him. We need to keep going to Jesus to submit to him. Whatever he says, we do. If it goes against our norm, the way we were raised, our culture, the way society says this, we go with what Jesus says. It's an act of submission because we believe him. What does God say? We go with that first and foremost. But Brian, what if somebody doesn't feel loved in that moment? I think it comes down to how did you say it? And here's the thing, parents, have you ever had to let your kids down 
because it was for their good? Did you ever have to disagree with them because it was for their good? Did you ever have to tell them the truth and it was for their good? Guys, why do we think that all of a sudden that just because I come to know Jesus, that therefore now everything that I think or feel will be in complete agreement with the Lord? Guys, you know why he gave us his word? Because every thought and feeling is not in complete submission to the Lord. Guys, if we go to Jesus, I just, want you to, I just want to ask you, what is the motivation behind why you go to Jesus, if you do? Second question, for those that don't, why don't you? I mean, have you thought through it? Is it just like, I don't like this Christian thing, I don't like, I don't like this God thing, I don't like, and that's okay, I mean, but at least ask the question behind why. I mean, just think through it. Like, what is it? Like, what? And I would love, I mean, tell me your story afterwards. Just come up and say, this is why I can't stand your God. This is why I don't like Jesus. Okay, let's get to it. Let's start with it. But logically speaking, there's stuff that points to the evidence of creation, which has a creator and design, like all that stuff. But let me hear your stories to why. What is, why are you hurt? Because I want to show mercy. I want to get into your life and hear your story. But why do you and why don't you? This guy goes, just to test him, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So this is the expert in the law. So Jesus is like, go back to what does the Bible say? Which I think is a great bit of advice. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. So what does Jesus do? He sends him to back to the Old Testament. Well, he just says, what does the law say? Tell me, you interpret it. Tell me what it means. He says, okay, I'm gonna go to the main thing. Everyone goes to this at least once, if not three times a day, morning, noon, afternoon, or morning, noon, evening. Hey, hear, O Israel, Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Everyone would say the Shema. This is from Deuteronomy chapter six. This is the main thing. And so this man answered correctly. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what's our response to this one almighty being in the universe? Get in line, do your stuff right or else. He's like, no, no, no. Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one and you shall love him. Like that's, the, that's at the heart. Just love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Simplify it, just love him with everything you got. The way you live, the way you think, the things you feel, when those things don't come under the submission and obedience to the scriptures, God, help me love you more. Help me think correctly that I can love you well. Help me feel the things I'm supposed to feel so that I can love you more. Do you see how it all comes back to just love Jesus with everything? And you say, well, it can't be that simple. It is. It's not easy. There's a battle going on. But love God with everything Follower of Jesus, do you love him with everything or is Jesus just a cultural thing you were brought up with that adds some kind of morality to your life? And if, he, if that's all that he's become and church is this thing that you kind of go to every once in a while, which I can't even stand that idea. You don't go to church because we are the church. You come to a worship service, but if it's just, hey, we'll show up every once in a while to kind of make sure that God's still good and he'll still bless us. Guys, that's not what we're called to. What we're called to is love him with everything everything we got. It's like, how do I do it? Spend time with them. It's like, oh, Brian, there's got to be more to it. Spend time with them. Guys, I can tell you from experience, 
my walking with the Lord, and it's not because I have like the ultimate walk. I'm just saying what God has shown me. And if I was to sit down with those who have walked with the Lord and you love Jesus and you find yourself loving Jesus more now than you ever have, I can almost guarantee you this. It's because you spend time with the Lord. You're in his word, you're in prayer, you're in service of him. You're in worship gangs, you're in community. You're doing the things that Jesus called us to live. You're learning the rhythms and the pace of Jesus. So we're not just taken by how this is how the world works. Guys, I know I've been bringing this up a lot lately and probably because I read this book that's just kind of floored me. But by a show of hands, and maybe some of you guys are too busy to do this, but how many of you are too busy? So just the four of us, okay. The guys, you, you all read the book? Congratulations, you guys made it. Parents, how come your arms didn't go up? Like, I'm too tired. I'm so, I'm just tired. Isn't it amazing we think that that's the norm? We just have to live in busy. Guys, I'm telling you, all I've done is implement some small little things and I still, I prayed it this morning, God, would you teach me even more? How do I change things in my life so that I learn to walk at your pace? So that, I'm, so that my time is not dictated by my busyness, but rather by Jesus. Which may mean sometimes I'm gonna say no to certain activities, even putting our kids into certain activities, say I'm not gonna be this crazy busy, because why? We need some sanity in our lives. This idea of Sabbath, I keep bringing it up. Guys, why is, why is it all of a sudden we think that's Old Testament, but we like the don't murder part? It's in the same list. Don't commit adultery, yeah, don't do that one. But take a rest, no. God doesn't understand how busy I am. There might be some things that I don't get to be involved in, my kids don't get to be involved in because we're going to what? We're going to rest. Brian, we have so much on our list and maybe that's the problem. When we come to God, are we going to him to test? Or are we going to submit? God, teach me your pace. But first and foremost, what do you want, God? Just love me with everything you got. And then go love people. He quotes the Shema, and then he quotes out of Leviticus. So he knew his Bible. Verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, none of us have been guilty of that, have we? Said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Like, do I have to do it to everybody? Is it everyone? Or just the people I like? He goes on. And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Guys, I guarantee when Jesus started this story and when he mentioned Jerusalem to Jericho, everyone went, wait, the bloody way? Guys, that's what that road was known as. I think it's a 17 mile strip of road that dropped from, it dropped 3,600 feet. It just had all these back and forth turns on the road. Everyone knew about it, and they knew it was known as the bloody way, and no one ever traveled alone on this road, no one. Everyone had groups of people for protection. So when Jesus comes out and says, there's this one guy took the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, like, what? How crazy is he? So everyone's all leaning in, and on the way he got beaten, jacked up, left for dead. And I can guarantee that some people, I can guarantee some people are sitting there going, serves him right. What stupid person does that? It's kind of like the phrase that we have, hey, you made your bed, you have to sleep in it. Don't we do the same thing? You made your bed, sleep in it. And we think that that's tough love. Are you sure it's love or annoyance? 
Ah, oh, this guy, he's, he's getting what he deserves. That was just so stupid. And then goes on with the story. Verse 31, now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Man, he paints the picture of the priest just being heartless, doesn't he? We sit there and go, oh, I would never be like that. I would never do that. We would never be this heartless, would we? Or would we? Guys, I know it's so hard. And this isn't like, this is me too. Here's an example. You ever get to the end of the freeway, you get off the off-ramp and you get to the light and there's someone asking for money or food. And how many, I'm not to show hands, but just be honest to yourself. Have you ever thought this in your head? Please don't let me be the one first in line at the light because I don't know what to do and I'll feel uncomfortable. And there's a person there created in the image of God. And I felt the exact same things and have gone through the same experience, like what would I do? And then there's times I'll do something, there's other times I won't. And then for some, you said, they go, what do you do? Do you give money? Because you know what they're gonna do with it. It's like, I don't know what they're gonna do with it. Because I have given to some and they go get food out of the grocery store. I have taken, I've had lunch with people or, and some conversations have turned out great and others have not. And last week, I'm, I don't know if I said this last week. So if I did, just someone raise your hand and say, just move on. But last week I had a breakfast appointment with somebody and when I pulled in, it was down in Laverne. There's like a donut bagel place, downtown Laverne, right on the corner. And that's where I parked it at, but I saw this young homeless guy. And I was like, oh, okay, here's the chance. Because part of my D, part of D group is you have to share Jesus at least with one person every week. So I'm like, I'm gonna bring this, he's gonna come to Christ. He's gonna levitate because the angels are gonna lead him to heaven. Like in my head, I thought, this is the way it's gonna happen. Like I just know this is how it's gonna happen. And so I get out and I'm like, hey dude, can I get you some breakfast? He goes, yeah. I said, what would you like? And no, he, like, he knew his order. He said, I want a jalapeno and cheese, a jalapeno and cheese bagel with, with cream cheese. Okay, hold on just a second. So I walk in and I get it and I bring it out. And so I just gave it to him and I said, hey, um, gosh, how long you been out here? And he said, oh, about three or four years. I said, man, were some things tough at home that you, I mean, he's a young guy, things tough at home that you just had, you couldn't be there anymore or what happened? He goes, something like that hey, well, this is a deep conversation so far. So I kept going, I kept trying. And I said, well, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to give this to you. And I just, I pray that you're blessed by it. I said, where are you at with the Lord? And where are you at with Jesus? And I'm like, here it goes. He goes, I don't believe in that. Okay, 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 wow. I said, well, why not? And he goes, ah, I just think it's hokey. And I'm like, hokey? Out of all the adjectives you could use, hokey. I haven't heard the word hokey for <laughs> ever. It's like, it's all hokey. And I thought, hokey? I said, oh, okay, well, that's... I said, so you just believe that everything just started from nothing? I don't get... I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't get that deep with it. Like, this didn't, didn't, this end didn't end the way I thought it would. You're supposed to stand up and thank me for that you came to the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes on and you start speaking in tongues or whatever's going to happen. Like, this is the time. This is the moment. And that was it, he was done talking. Guys, not every conversation is going to end the way that you thought it was, but what if we as just followers of Jesus just showed love and concern for humanity? Just be merciful, just to care for, love people. 
not just as possible targets of conversion, but people who need to be loved and shown mercy. This priest gets out of the way, and why, why is it that the priest probably would have done it? Because in Numbers in chapter 19, verse 11, it says, whoever touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean, uh, shall be, I'm sorry, whoever touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean for days. You sit there and go, okay, so wait, wait. What if this guy walking along and he sees this guy and he thinks that he's dead and he can't go and serve in the temple, which is probably where he's going, and this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity and he's in, he doesn't get to fulfill his duties, but he thinks he's dead and so he just moves along. And then a Levite, who also has a high place or at least a ministry within the temple, you get to his part, it says in verse 32, so likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but, verse 33, a Samaritan. Now friends, this is why every single person listening to this story would go, <gasps> and they would jump to a conclusion. Oh, I bet he, I bet he killed him. Oh, I bet he just, he unleashed on him. Guys, there was such horrible racial hatred between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. Hated each other. And so for Jesus to bring up the Samaritan, everyone is automatically jumping to, this is the villain. Watch Jesus, watch Jesus put them on their heels. It says, but a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. And every person would sit there and go, impossible. We would never jump to a conclusion about a certain person, would we? I bring it up often and I will continue to do everything that I can to protect our community from the division that comes from politics and preferences in it. But have you never thought, and like, think about it, how, the last time somebody mentioned how they vote and you automatically jump to what? A person created in the image of God, therefore deserving value and honor because they're created by the creator? Or, oh, they're one of those whichever side, which then builds up this division. You sit and go, oh, but this is, this is my righteous fight. Friends, our righteous fight is for the world that doesn't know Christ. The church is supposed to go after people that don't know Jesus and bring them into submission to him as their Lord, regardless of their background, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless. Bring them into what it is that Jesus says and then to disciple that person that they would look at the scriptures and go, I don't like that part, I don't like what it says, but because I love Jesus, I'm going to do it. Guys, you, we can have preferences and opinions, but never to the point where it causes division. We will come under the unity of what scripture teaches and under the lordship of Jesus for Jesus is our king, and there is no other. And I'm so thankful that God is the one who handles all the rulers of this world. Vote biblically, trust God with the results of what it is that he wants to do. But he had compassion. Verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. That's a weird mixture. I've never seen like when the kids skin their knees or something, like, guys, hold on, I'll go get the oil and wine. Well, what'd they be using it then? Well, the oil was to soften the skin. It was like an ointment, but the, the wine had alcohol in it so as to purify the wound. So isn't it amazing? Look at, the, look at the things that he did in compassion. One, he went to him. That's the first thing. 
Compassion should compel us toward the person, not away from. He went to him, the next thing, bound up his wounds. In other words, he got right in there with the person, dealing with the person, helping the person. There's been no conversation. It wasn't, hey, what's your view on this? It was, I'm going to help you. The next. Then he set him on his own, on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Set him on his own animal, which meant he, either they could share it, but probably not, put him on the animal that he would be riding and then walked him. And then took him to, took him to an inn and then took care of him, stayed with him. His schedule was all jacked up because of this. Guys, I used to, I probably still struggle with this because if you look at my day and I show you my calendar, it's not as bad as it used to be, but it used to be every minute was consumed with, I'm going to be this organized. And I would tell God, I will do whatever you want so long as it fits within this time period. As if God's gonna go, oh, okay, I'll make sure I put that on my notes. I've just realized over the years that there are times where God will call us to do something that makes me have to make a U-turn because it's not always gonna be on my way. And that's mercy. It's like, this is, not, this is out of his way. Took care of him, verse 35. The next day he took, he took out two denarii, which is two denarii's wages would cover, the, four, um, would cover the, the end for about 14 days. So he pays for this guy for two weeks to stay in this inn. Guys, that is a chunk of change. Guys, at no point am I saying, thus saith the Lord today, everyone, go find someone, pay for two weeks in a hotel. I'm not saying that. But this is part of the story. It's like, he was extravagant in his generosity. Next part he says, he says, it gave him to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So he's like, I gotta leave, but then put someone in the care or put someone to put someone in this guy's life to care for them. Guys, in his mind, he's like, I just have to do whatever I can to make sure that this person's taken care of. And if you have to do anything, you have to spend any money, I will make sure to pay you back when I get back. In other words, I'm not just in this for the quick fix, I'm in this for the long haul. Which means I have to engage people and know people and be around people, not just for the purpose of just a conversion and move on. No, we get involved in people, hear their story, what they're dealing with. Guys, jump into the brokenness of humanity. Why? Because we've been there and we still deal with brokenness. But we've been there and we know the healer. We know the remedy. Verse 36, Jesus then asks this question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Look at the man's response. He said, the one who showed him mercy. A couple things from that one little statement. First, you realize, or did you notice what, what he called him? He couldn't say the Samaritan. He had to call him the, the one who showed him mercy. Friends, those things that hold us back from people, we need to submit to God. The bigotry that maybe some of us experience toward whoever, we need to confess those things to God that we might see humanity as the target of God's grace, absolutely. By nature, we're a target of, target of his wrath. And how that all plays out, I don't know, I leave it to God. But there's a cross that Jesus took for the sin of the world that I deserved and you deserved 
He took that for us, that I could be made, we could be made in right relationship with the God of the universe. And he's the one that we're supposed to be taking our cues from. Aren't you thankful that he didn't do interviews first? See whether or not he really wanted to take the cross. Hey, what do you think about this? How have you been doing lately? Do you like me? I think I brought it up last week. I'm really thankful that God doesn't treat us or me the way that I treat others. And I'm so thankful that he gave me his example. And yet it can be difficult and it is difficult, but oh, Jesus is worth it. He says, which one of the two showed mercy or which, sorry, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, the one who showed him mercy? Guys, let's, let's confess bigotries or things that we hold against people. We gotta confess it and repent from it. The next though, showed him mercy. Isn't it amazing? Jesus never mentions the word mercy in, in this parable, and yet he knew what it was. All these actions were pointing to his understanding of what mercy looks like. And so if I was to ask you, hey, give me some descriptors of mercy, what would you say? Like, what are the things that we do? Or what are the actions that people can do that actually show mercy toward people? Could we describe them? Do we even understand what it is? See, when Jesus told the story and goes through each one of these things, this man knew this is what mercy is. And I can't say his name because I have such hatred toward him, but I know that it's mercy. I can almost guarantee that every single person sitting there would have been so convicted by what it is that Jesus brought up in this story. And so can you imagine if God lived by our motto from today, hey, you made your bed, now sleep in it. Can you imagine if that's what he did? It's like, oh, Brian, you made your bed, sleep in it. But I can't make myself right with you. Well, suck it up, figure it out. You made it, deal with it. And so if God doesn't treat us like that, then why do I feel justified at times to do that to others? Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Another place in Luke chapter six, verse 36, Jesus says these words, be merciful even as your father is merciful. And again, we can say, why should I? Do you know what they're doing? Do you know what they've done? I know, friends. Guys, at no point does the Bible ever say this discipleship thing will come naturally. But when it's the lordship of Jesus we're surrendered to, guys, I don't have to figure out how to fix the world. I just need to be obedient what he's called me to do in the place that I live and the place that he may send me in bringing people to Jesus and actually believing that if a person comes to Christ, they'll be filled by the Holy Spirit and God will change them. But do we believe that? Be merciful even as your father is merciful, friends, I'm supposed to show mercy to others because I've been shown mercy. And if that's the only reason, that's the reason. So oh, that doesn't make sense. That's the only reason. Guys, I've, I've been shown great mercy by Jesus. Therefore, because I've been shown great mercy by Jesus, that's how I should be living toward others. I feel like at times we can still justify this but all I ask you to do, if you sit there and go, I don't, I don't know that I agree with you, that's fine. I just want you to go back to what does the scripture say? Not just what do I logically think. If, this is if, if I let someone off the hook on this, then this is the automatic result. I don't know that that's what I get to, I don't think that that's how I'm supposed to live. 
And I don't think I'm given the freedom for that. Listen to scripture, Titus chapter three, four to seven. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal, eternal life. In other words, there was nothing in and of myself that deserved for God to step in and show me mercy. Nothing. I can't stand before him and go, look at all these things I've done. Because compared to the holiness of God, there's nothing. So it wasn't the righteous deeds that I did that then deemed It's not the good things that I've done that required that God should do anything on my behalf. It all comes back to his mercy so that I'm constantly grateful. It's all his grace. It's all by faith. Oh, what a good God we have. And he doesn't say, fix yourself before you come to me. He says, you can't fix yourself, so come to me. Do you see the difference? I look at that and go, God, I'm not deserving of this. And then not just to be made righteous before him, then he gives me his Holy Spirit to be in me, to walk with me, to comfort me. I said, go, I don't deserve that. I mean, it's one thing to do it, then keep your distance, because, oh, I, I annoy myself. Does anybody annoy yourself at times? It's like, God, why would you do that? Why would you want to hang out with this? You see how great his mercy is? First Peter chapter one, three to five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Did you see that? He has caused us to be born again. Followers of Jesus, the reason that you have a relationship with Jesus is because he caused it. He has caused it. to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Oh, he's gonna show off, friends. One day he's gonna show off. But until then, he's gonna keep it ready for us. And not only will he keep that ready, he'll keep us, he'll protect us, he'll guard us. All because of his great mercy. Charles Spurgeon, an old school pastor said this, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. Guys, as you look at the weather this week, it's gonna get hot again. I don't like the fall in the 90s. Some people are like, oh, I love it. You're psychos. Like, I don't understand it. I'm just joking. I'm totally kidding. But when I saw it, I got a little depressed. And then so then I go outside and I see the sun shining and I'm feeling the heat of that sun. I go, man, that is hot. From 93 million miles away. That's how far the heat is coming to burn my face and to give me more freckles. 
And it's traveling, the light is traveling 93 million miles. And here's Spurgeon going, hey, it's more likely that the sun will go dark than that you will ever see the mercy of God diminish. He lavishes it on us. And our response should never be take advantage of it, oh, but live in submission and worship and adoration of the one who is merciful to us. Guys, his mercies are new every morning. The word mercy means sympathy or experiencing things together with other people. Church, we're supposed to jump into life with people, not find reasons for why we're too busy to do it. Or that, Brian, that's not my personality. I never once saw anything in scripture that says, you only have to do things based on what you're comfortable with. You only have to do things that you're comfortable with. And what's your personality like? Isn't it more like God to go, I know that's your personality, so I wanna freak you out so bad today. Because what a memory. How fun will this be? As the worship team comes back up, I saw this one minute short video. And I thought, what a great example of mercy to jump into someone else's suffering as much as you're able to and see how it is that it impacts somebody else. Do me a favor, take a look at the screen. This girl has received some bad news. She has been diagnosed with cancer. What she has to do now is cut off her hair because she's about to start chemotherapy. Instead of letting her hair fall out, she's gonna be proactive and get her hair shaved off. As you can see, she is shocked and she's having a hard time dealing with this, but the barber is doing his best to console her and hold her. What he does next is shocking. As you can see, she is surprised. He starts to shave his own head with the blade and she's completely shocked, but this is something that's gonna make her feel a little bit better with the kind heart and pure love for people. He is doing this to let her know that she is not going through this alone. We need more people like this, wouldn't you agree? Beautiful. Friends, he couldn't relate completely, but he tried. Guys, think. Passage came to my mind. We, we have a high priest who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Friends, if we look at that definite sympathy or sympathizing, it's what? It's to experiencing things together with other people. Amen. I felt it. It's the Holy Spirit saying, get on with it. Mm. Here's the thing. Think about it. Jesus enters into our suffering, and he still does. He sympathizes with us now. He enters into it with us now. And if that's what Jesus does for us, then shouldn't we be doing that for others that we could point them to this is what it's supposed to look like. This is how good Jesus is. For those of you who are here, that maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but maybe you've met a Christian on, their wrong, on, their, on, the, on a bad day, or maybe you've met somebody that claims to follow Christ but looks nothing like Jesus, I'm so sorry. What I pray that you'll see, and I pray you'll keep coming and listen, and get to know the Jesus of the Bible and then church, let's be the hands and feet of Jesus and be merciful 
And we'll trust God with the end results of all those things. Which one do you think he applauds? Me showing mercy, trusting him with the results, or me justifying why I shouldn't because I can't control the end product. I wanna be like Jesus, I do, and I'm not. I'm not there, but I wanna be. Oh, the bliss of those who get right inside other people until they can see with their eyes, think with their thoughts, feel with their feelings. For those who do that will find others do the same for them and will know that 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 is what God in Jesus Christ has done. So my final thought, and when we remember the mercy of Jesus, we will desire to be merciful toward others. Does it mean that we agree with every single thing a person believes? No. Guys, there's still sin. But Jesus came while we were still sinners. Does it mean that I engage them in their sin? I was like, I'll condone it. It's okay, because I'm gonna love you. Nope. Because love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. I cannot be loving if I'm not sharing the truth, but I can sure make sure I'm loving while I share it. And I can be merciful. God, help us to be merciful, amen? Let me pray. God, thank you for showing us mercy. Thank you. God, while I was still a sinner, Jesus, you came and died. God, I thank you. that though the word of your cross is folly to those who are perishing, I thank you that to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God, your cross declares, screams out your mercy. God, help us to be merciful. God, may we, please, God, please forgive us for how often we have justified why we don't have to be. Help us to be as merciful as you are. Holy Spirit, do that work, please, in us. Oh, God, please, that the world would see the difference of the grace, mercy, and love of Jesus through us, your church. As we close with this final song together, God, thank you. I pray that you're moving. I love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, Amen. Love you more than you know.